Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Valley. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we have the Nick Aguirre. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you, sir. Hey, how's it going? Happy to be here. Listen, welcome to the show. It's uh, fantastic to have you on. So uh, I know this is going to be a fun one and uh, we've, we've had a bit of a chat before. So really just to give everyone a bit of a heads up who Nick is. So Nick Aguirre is aka Nick Gnosis, is the high performance hypnosis, hypnotist. He is the founder of Apex Mind Coaching, a company that helps elite performers program their subconscious minds for success. Nick uses hypnosis, neuro-linguistic programming, i.e. NLP, and other modalities to help leaders and salespeople manage their stress, break through the limitations, and reach consistent peak performance. Nick, Mm -hmm. what is your fire in the belly? I'm loving this. This is fantastic. (laughs) Welcome. Yeah. What is my fire in the belly? So... It feel like it changes all the time, but, um, it's, it's a thing that's constantly that I have to reignite. I'll answer it that way. And, um, when I hear fire in the belly, I think of this forward momentum, or I think of this, this vector, like what's the thing that's pulling me towards it. And it's just, for me, I can't stand the idea of myself or my clients, not reaching their full potential. So the idea of looking back in 20 years or 30 years and feeling like I kind of just played it safe or I didn't go all in, or I didn't do the things I was really capable of that just, that terrifies me. Um, so that is my fire in the belly is I like to go to sleep at night, looking back on the day and thinking, man, I don't know what else I could have done differently or could have done better today. It's a great feeling. How do you reckon? I mean, that's because listen, a lot of people, we, we hear this, you know, reaching your full potential. How mm-hmm. do you recognize it? How do you measure it? How do you get that and unleash that really? Yeah. So how do you reckon a few questions in there? How do you recognize it? And how do you, uh, unleash that? So it's going to, de- it's going to depend on person by person. What's their, their yardstick or what does success look like for them? So for a lot of people, it's, uh, it's a financial goal. A lot of people it's the impact goal. I think that's, that's generally mine is my, my currency is impact. Um, and for other people, it might be performance related to whatever's their craft. So it, it could be uh, numeric. So that would be the first place is what does this look like when, when it's done? So you've probably heard this before you begin with the end in mind. So a big part of what I do is, um, see it, believe it, become it. So having the vision to start of what do you look like, or what does your company look like, or your cause look like at the end of this? So having it seeing a a, a vision, very concrete, what is the room that you're in look like? What does your office look like? What, who's there in front of you? Who are you on the phone with? Who are you talking to? So vision, um, and then believing that that's possible. So what's the gap there? What is the thing that's missing between point A and point B? 
So there's a version of you now and the aspiration of what you want to be. And so I asked the question, well, what's the difference between those two versions? So this person says, I want to make, uh, do six figure months in my business or something like that. Okay. Well, has anyone done it? Yes. What does that look like? What's the difference between you and that person? Do they use different language? Do they have different belief system? Do they think different thoughts? Do they get up at a different time? Do they have different priorities, different schedule? So now you're starting to see the pieces that are, that are missing there and being able to start plugging those things in there. Um, and then finally is just execution. So what are the day-to-day -day concrete specific uh, measurable tasks that you're going to have to do to, um, to get there. There's kind of a big to small approach is just to recap that as so you see it, having a vision, you believe it. So you fill in all of the things in your belief system, your behaviors that are not in alignment. And then finally you become it. So you execute the plan on a daily basis to get there. That's awesome. I, and how often do you think, I mean, are people able to see it or how, how far out do you mm -hmm. have to do to get past that monkey mind, the conscious mind, or, you know, sort of just tell people they have an imagination. So a lot of people don't know what they want or they they're programmed with an external um, influence. They have values injected by their parents, society. Whatever. So that is the very first place is, do you even know what you want? Mm. A lot of people know what they don't want, Pete. So they're like, I don't want to be depressed or I don't want to feel this way. or I don't want to have this money problem. I don't want to have this performance problem. So, uh, motivation away from something can be useful, but you have to also have motivation towards. So that would be like, what's the opposite? So if someone says they're, they feel, they don't like the way they feel, they don't like their depression or whatever. Well, what does it look like? What's the version of you that doesn't have that? Who is that person? And you know, what's different in their life? Is it their career? Hmm. Is it a physical thing in their, in their body, in their re health regimen? Is it uh, the people that they're around? Um, how did, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I suppose how we get past, cause you know, especially if we're a busy mind or we're a distracted mind or whatever, and we're hearing the voices and all the rest, it's, it's, how do you sort of convince them and say, listen, honestly, the answer's in here. I just need you to, you know, I need you to, you know, we need to get away from that ego, that voice, et cetera. You know, mm -hmm. is that a, is that a future visualization aspect or is it something mm -hmm. that you find useful? Yeah. So there's a few, there's a few routes you could take here, but to, to kind of set the stage first is you have a conscious mind and you have a subconscious mind and the conscious mind is thought to only be five, 10%, 10% tops of your behavior. So we're 90 plus percent driven by the subconscious. And the way that I would explain this to people of like, well, how do you actually get there is uh, as a metaphor. So I'm explaining how the subconscious influences one behavior. I would use this metaphor of you are an actor. You are the greatest actor of all time. You can do any role. You can do comedy, romance, drama, action. But uh, up until now, your role was given to you. You were given this role that you're playing out. So your subconscious mind has a, a sense of identity of I'm this person. And I'd ask the listeners, what is that character that you're playing right now? Is this the victim or is this the hero? Is this uh, 
a political party you identify with? Are you a teacher? Are you a student? Are you a parent? Are you a son? What is that? What are those labels? What are the, that thing in your identity that's making you act this out? So first looking at the script, realizing you have this subconscious story. And when you change the story, the narrative that you've been telling yourself your entire life, you change the behavior. So, so doing an audit to figure out what is this character? What does this script look like? Cause you're not, if you, um, if you watch a, a show, like let's say Breaking Bad, you watch the first four seasons of Breaking Bad, you have a sense of who this character, this, this Walter White character is. So you don't, even if you haven't seen the fifth season, you know that he's not going to suddenly turn into this friendly, cuddly guy. You have a sense of who that character is, but the same is true of if you've lived 30, 40, 50 years, you're not going to suddenly have this radical like shift. You're not going to act outside that, that expectation. So now what you have to do is start rewriting this character because here's the good news. You guys is you're not only the actor, you're also the director, you're the script writer. You can go in there and change that. So as I'm explaining this now, this is a little bit abstract. So more concrete, what does this look like the steps day to day? So my primary tool is hypnosis. If you don't know what hypnosis is, this is not some voodoo, some magic, some, you know, making people bark like dogs. Um, it, with hypnotherapy, what you're doing is you're bypassing uh, what's called the critical mind, which you can think of as being uh, the gatekeeper between the conscious and subconscious. And this it's the critical mind's job is to evaluate incoming ideas and information. So um, if I tell somebody, you know, something you, you are good enough and you are worthy and this and that there's the critical mind that, that does little calculation and says, mm, no, that doesn't add up. I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I'm worthy. And it, it rejects this idea. Um, so in hypnosis, you are so expansive and connected in your imagination so relaxed and so vivid in that trance-like experience where you can now have th this infinite childlike exploration where you can take in ideas so the, that the logical mind in it gets glorified in western society of the rational mind the critical mind the analytical is put on this pedestal but it doesn't have all the answers and sometimes it does us a disservice when it jumps to conclusions and it wants to make certain of those things that we can't always make certain. So it's counterintuitive, but I encourage people to get irrational, be irrational, be unrealistic and bypass that critical filter. So when you're in hypnosis, you're getting into progressively deeper and deeper states of relaxation. How is this possible? Well, what most people are doing is focusing on effort. You got to grind, you got to hustle, you got to put your head down, you got to do this, you got to put, roll up your sleeves. And it's like, um, that's all fine and dandy. And there's virtue in that. But what we don't teach people is the relaxation. We teach people the exertion muscle, the control muscle, but we don't teach people the relaxation part which is arguably as important, if not more important. So when you let go of certain things, physically, mentally, emotionally, you're getting into progressively deeper states of relaxation where you're tracking along with what the hypnotist is saying. It's becoming true. So you start with something that is not, uh, not far-fetched. You're listening to fire in the belly right now. You're listening to me speaking. You might notice there's silence between some of the words that I'm saying. 
you might become aware of your breathing at some point. You might feel like taking a deep breath. You might notice a shift in your attention or focus as I'm doing this, right? And that's a very just simple example of how you might kind of start into that. And you, you can sort of see the trajectory. And then with, with training, with conditioning, someone can get into these progressively deeper states where they're more open. And now you can get them to make changes in their belief system, in their identity, the actor we talked about, in their day-to-day -day behaviors, in a way that's not normally possible in that, that conscious mind, in that rational monkey mind that we tend to be stuck in. That's uh, it's super interesting how, you know, there's different parts of us always at play and there's, there is so much going on. And I just want to take you back a bit. I mean, you talked about away from and toward goals, which is more useful. Mm. Away from and towards goals, which is more useful both, but I would say like the, the magic number, or at least what I've been practicing is like 80, 20. So 80% towards and 20% away because, um, <clears throat> You do need some of both. So if this is like somebody wants to quit smoking, it's really, it's really powerful. So an exercise I could do for someone when they want to quit a really bad habit, let's say smoking, smoking is great because somebody can be a smoker of 50 years and quit in a session or two with hypnosis. So what does that look like is at some point I'll have them visualize there's this fork in the road. We call this future pacing, right? And so I, off to the left, you see your life in five years, 10 years, 20 years, if you don't quit. So how many thousands, tens of thousands of dollars have you spent? What's happened to your internal organs? How is this affecting your kids, your life, your family? Is this affecting what you can do? Is this affecting your work? Seeing that playing out. So that's the away from it. You're just like, uh, I'm going to, you know, counting up. Like, like if you visualize all the, the cigarettes, piling up, stacking up and just see, seeing these mountains and just imagining all that cat. It's horrendous. People don't want that. So the away from is powerful, but I'd say in general, um, positive is more motivating. So you look off to the other path and you're going to see, you know, imagine that your, uh, your lungs, your heart are healthy. You're saving thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. You can take these vacations and stuff you didn't use to, uh, your wife, your husband is no longer nagging you. You don't have to clean yourself up before, you know, take a shower before work. You don't have to hide it. Your car didn't smell like crap. So that'd be a great example of how you use both. But a uh, short version is 80, 20 towards away. It's super interesting, isn't it? Cause I mean, so many people are either lack based or away from based, which I mean, typically they get weaker as you, as you get closer to your goal, they get weaker, right? You, mm -hmm. Where you actually want to be. So right. It's always fascinating. And, and is that useful to know then when we are sort of goal setting and future visualizing? So we, we do it in the very much the positive manner. Yeah. You, I think your question is like, you, do you want to know the positive more? Do you want to have the what, what, sorry, what are you exactly you're asking? Yeah, no, I was just curious. I mean, what is more useful when we are future-basing when, so we're future visualizing or we're actually, you know, trying to pick that future state that actually, you know, from what I've understood from you said, you, you really play on that 20%. It's a more useful, more effective tool for, for going forward. Right. I use both of them. And, and I'd say the, this is a bit of a cop-out answer, but it depends, right? It depends on the person and, and, um, the work is so individualized, right? So, and you have to kind of look at what what's worked and what hasn't worked. 
So chances are they, they've already met, met uh, a lot of goals. My favorite people to work with are people who've already achieved uh, quite a bit of success in one area of their life. And maybe they want to take it even further or they want to create success in another area of their life. Like maybe they've done really well with business, but their health could be a little bit better or they're really good at uh, playing a, a musical instrument, but they can't seem to, um, you know, get their finances together or something like that. So you, you got to tailor it to the person and kind of see what makes sense to people. And, uh, you know, you sort of having a conversation interview and saying, uh, okay, well, have you stopped to think about, what happens if you don't address this and what that looks like in a while. And you see their face, like, you know, you can kind of look at what's happening for them internally, or, or you can ask them you know, the other way, what would it be like? Have you stopped to really vividly imagine for a second, what would this look like? You know, someone's giving me a specific example uh, of just like your, your business sounds like it's doing great. Why do you need me for and they're saying, I want this Audi. I want the, 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 I'm like, okay, the Audi, which one? The R8. Yeah. Okay. The R, like, have you stopped to think about that? Like, what do you like about it? Oh, it's got this, the interior, that, that. I was like, have you stopped to really like think about that? And then you're just kind of seeing this person. He's just like, ah, oh, he's singing about like himself in the car. And you can tell like, okay, we're going to, that one seems pretty strong. So we're going to, we're going to tailor that and have this person visualize the car. And for some, for whatever reason, for that person, the car is, he will walk on broken glass if he, if he believes that he's going to get to, um, to drive that car. It's so powerful, isn't it? To be able to do that for people to actually help them to, because they have to say it themselves, right? Because if they don't, then it's, you know, it's inherited from someone else and it doesn't mean the same, right? Totally. That's, and that's such a great point of, um, yeah. When, when people just end up with something and they, uh, some of the most messed up people that I've um, encountered have been people with, with um, stuff given to them, you know, where their parents were hyper successful or they, you know, were driving the BMW when they were 16 or something like that. And people think that that's, they covet that, but it's not always what people want. And I've, and I've encountered plenty of people, investors that have quite a bit of cash and they're still not quite happy or fulfilled. So it's not, it's, it's really hard to put your finger on what it is that's going to actually, you know, give you that feeling of satisfaction or fulfillment. Mm. So, um, yeah, Pete, I know that a lot of what, what the podcast is centered on is like, how do people get to where they are and what's kind of the, the progression. And I'd love to share some of my experience in that for, for our listeners that right now I'm talking about uh, where I am now and you know, everything's great and this and that. And I want people to know also like some of the steps that kind of came along the way. And I would love to to share that a little bit. Yeah, please do. Yeah. So where, where did it start for you? I mean, going back, I mean, well, first of all, what was, what was money Nick? Like, well, who were you? <laughs> what, what, what was the, the, the tiny Nick? So <laughs> There's a lot of themes and to make this like relatable to, to the listeners and to everyone, I feel like life gives you these challenges of like this, this curse or this, this really difficult hardship for you to learn some kind of lesson or have some kind of growth there for whatever reason. And some of the ones that I had were with my, uh, with my mind. And, um, I was, uh, you could say uh, a slave to my mind 
And I was having a lot of thoughts and a lot of ideas that were, that were not very good for me, that were not fruitful. It started at a pretty young, at a pretty young age. And, um, it was really just ravaged by my own mind and reached a point of, I will do anything. I will do whatever it takes to make this stop. And like some of these thoughts, some of these feelings like this, this is not me. Right. Like I, the number of things that I did to try and overcome that, that problem is, uh, is enormous. And, you know, I don't think there should be any like stigma or anything bad in this. Cause most people at some point or another are going to you know, have challenges with, with their mind and, and their emotions. So, uh, yeah, people don't always talk about it. I think it's worth, I think it's worth exploring here. So especially right now, there's a generational component too. So, um, I'm 33 at the time of this, uh, recording and with a lot of like my generation and, and the upcoming generation too, is there's a lot more like uncertainty in careers so, so there's like two big things, two or three big things that I had to face and overcome. And one, so one of them is, uh, you know, my mind mastering my mind. The next was purpose. Like what's my career and what am I going to do for work? And then the third would be social, right? So how do I connect with people? How do I stop seeing people as a means to an end of as people to be transactional with? How do I start seeing them as like these are other humans with with lives and challenges that I that I interact with and we add to each other? So the biggest one probably that is that that career thing, man, because it's I can I can remember being a college student and changed my major like five times. And a lot of people because I used to be a professor, I see this, like a lot of people are, they get the idea that by age 18 or 23, they're supposed to have decided what they want to do for the rest of their life. And then they're just going to go do it in this linear path, very predictable, uh, point A to point B, no challenges, no, no. Right. And, um, that's just not what it is. So I, you get set up for a massive disappointment if that's what you believe. So in my case, there was a lot of just kind of being in this wilderness of, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I studied these different things. I, I talked to one of my professors. I'll never forget this. And I said, uh, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I don't know what I want to study. And he's just laughing. And he said, uh, I'm 41 and I still don't know what I want to do with my life. When I figure it out, I'll let you know, Nick. I was like, damn, that's not the right answer. You can't tell me that you're supposed to like, but but it was reality. It was a reality check of like, this problem is more universal than I thought. And purpose is such a big thing. People will do anything. This is why people will join cults and, and like groups is why people will pay money hand over fist for some of these personal development seminars is why people buy anything, everything of these courses, info products that when you have that hole and you've not having the purpose it just eats away. So I, I did anything and everything to, to try and figure it out. And, um, what I did in the meantime is I became a professor and my, my father is one too. And so I studied, uh, digital media, interactive media, and became a professor of communications. And this was really, it was a really fun job. And I liked this a lot. It's still not a hundred percent, um, fulfilled. I still had a lot of this emptiness and I still had a lot of my mind, um, beating me up, my mind ravaging me. And 
a few things had to happen there. So one is like with my mind, just, I will do anything and everything. And one of the big places I started was meditation and, uh, man, that's such a huge relief. And if you want the biggest like return for a small amount of time, it, it's meditation is a great place to start. So that at least kind of got me to like, like to be functional enough to, to, you know, move through, I don't know. I would not have finished graduate school if I didn't pick up the meditation practice and I would not have been successful as, as an academic, if I didn't do that. So the next thing that kind of started to fill that hole for me was uh, personal development and going to some of these seminars and conferences and learning about different things and, um, you know, reading these, these books to, to start feeling, um, like there's, we're way more capable of growth than we tend to get, uh, taught. And as the academic, there's a very textbook way of doing it. And you get taught a lot of facts and figures and processes, but there's more to it than that. So you, you start to realize there's other areas. There's, there's deeper questions you can be asking than just the factual textbook things. And I've got a lot of criticisms of academia, even as a former academic, but that's one of them is we kind of train people to be these uh, complicit rule followers uh, that memorize and regurgitate information. Many exceptions to this, I'm speaking generally, but that it's still a big problem. So the turning point for me, this all happened in one day. So this was, uh, this was a few years back and I was traveling. So the cool thing about being a professor is you, you can usually just teach uh, fall and spring, which means you get winter and summer off unless you choose to teach so you can travel. And I did this and I would use this to try and fill that, that gap in myself. And I was at a social media marketing conference in Las Vegas. And it's a lot of things about, you know, how do you build a cool product and build your email list and all that. But they said, said we have something different. They said, tonight there's going to be a late show and there's going to be a hypnotist. And I thought, that is the damnedest thing, you know, hypnosis. Is that real? I don't know. I think I kind of thought it sounded like BS to tell you the truth. I was pretty skeptical, but I was like, uh, you know, I'm not doing anything else, whatever. I'll check it out. So it's kind of weird. Um, like, I'm just like, is this for real? And if you've ever seen a stage hypnosis show, it's very different as these people's job is, is not to uh, heal people and help and have them uh, reach peak performance. It's more to, um, you know, kind of fuck with them and, and they're essentially comedians, right? So it's very different, but imagine to, to explain the impact of this day to people, I would say, imagine that you don't believe in lightning. And then one day you're walking down the sidewalk and you're struck dead by a bolt of lightning. That's what happened to me was I didn't really believe in hypnosis. And then I got to see this firsthand. So have you ever seen one of these shows, like a, a stage show? Do you kind of know what happens? I've seen some of the different shows. Well, one, as you say, the comedy shows as such, you know, the, yeah. very theatrical, very, um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's crowd pleaser, right? But then I've seen the other side as well, and it's super powerful. Okay. Yeah, so you have an idea. So this was more of the comedy variety. Um, and... Uh, it, it was, it was hysterical. So, um, I actually volunteered to try and be a participant, 
but uh you know it, it's really weird because you don't believe that it's real and you're sitting down and you're in a row of people but then uh, you know, I'm like in the middle and he's going down the row of people and he's just grabbing people's heads and shoving them down. Sleep, sleep, sleep. And then as he's going down the road, they're just falling like bowling pins. And like, he's approaching me and I'm like, Oh, and it's starting to get a little nervous of like, what if this is real? <laughs> um, and you know, when he gets to me, he could, he kind of looks me up and down. He can sense that I'm a little apprehensive. So he, so he taps me out and he's, he's like, why don't you have a seat, son? Uh, and I, and I got, got relief. I was like, okay. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. You don't think it's real, but then when you see the commitment of how serious or like how confident the, the performer is start to yield, you know, we, we as humans, we're programmed to respond to these indicators of confidence and authority. And this person is like, until they mean business of, of like, oh, this is for real. So fortunately I'm sitting down there and I get to just watch. And the person takes them into a trance, takes them out of the trance, back in deeper, deepening their experience, you know, and training them to, to his voice. And so some of the things that you're kind of watching of like, is this, you know, real? Are these people playing along? That's the big question I have as I'm watching is, is this real? Or, or are these people just kind of humoring the guy? Or are they just being complicit? And cause they don't want to, you know, so I'm, I'm thinking of like, what's, you know, what's the smoke and mirrors here? How are they making this? Like, well, okay, how did you do the trick? And it starts pretty simple of, uh, okay, you guys are all playing um, in a musical orchestra. You're going to pick up your instrument and, you know, you're going to be playing along with the music. And uh, that's something you could fake or play along of just, you know, pantomiming the, the uh, an instrument. But some of the people you see their um, their hands are moving, but their head is is like, you know, fallen over and like the movements, their motor movements are a little bit unusual, like not the way that, that one typically moves. And I thought, I thought that's curious, you know, that, so that was the first thing that kind of started to convince me. And the second thing was he goes down everyone and he gives everyone a number, number one, two, three, four. And he says, okay, the, the next time you open your eyes, odd numbers, you are watching the most tragic sad movie you've ever seen in your life. Even numbers. You were watching the most hysterically funny movie you've ever seen in your life. So you can imagine this. He, he says, one, two, three, eyes open. Everyone, you know, there's no movie, guys. He, these people are now entrained enough. They're so focused that they can, you know, essentially hallucinate something that's not there. And what you're seeing is that every other person is, you know, laughing hysterically or like sobbing and crying. And, you know, you're seeing these are not actors. Cause uh, the question is like, could I make myself laugh like that? Like on, on command, like just playing along. I don't think I could do that. And then the tears, you know, there's, there's grown men like taking off their glasses. They're, they're crying like real tears and stuff. And I'm just like, I don't think these people are faking. I don't think I'm like, can that many, can every single one of those people, you know, fake the emotions on a command like that in an instant? I don't think so. So this became very convincing for me of like, maybe there is something about the, the power of the mind that I wasn't aware of. Maybe this is real. And what really put the nail in the coffin for me, Pete, was this. There's, you know, so I'm watching this. I'm just in awe. I'm awestruck. I'm taken aback the whole time. But there's a couple there. And there's a man who's hypnotized. He's a subject. 
phenomenal subject. He's, he's, you know, melted like a puddle. He's so, so deeply relaxed and his, his, uh, you know, girl is in the audience. And so the hypnotist approaches the woman and he says to her, is this your husband? And she says, Oh no, that's my boyfriend. And he goes, Oh, okay. You guys are cute together. Uh, how long have you been together? And she says four years. And he says, that's a pretty long time. How come he hasn't asked you the big question yet? Mm. And she says, well, I don't know. Maybe the time's not right or just the money or this. And he goes, oh, okay. Pauses for a second and says, do you want me to fix this? Sweetie, I'll fix this for you right now. She says, oh my God, yes. And I'm just like, wait, what? Excuse me? So he goes over to the man and he puts his hands on him. He says something and he says, says something to the guy, whispers it. And then immediately counts, counts from one to three. And this man springs up just like, like uh, just springs up like, like a zombie and um, addresses with no inhibition or hesitation whatsoever, addresses the whole room of, you know, I'm announcing this that way. And then, you know, turns to the woman and, and says, whatever her name is, I forget. I love you. I want, I, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me? And um, she's, beat red she's crying she's in disbelief i'm in disbelief and and like the emotion in the room i've never seen anything like this and yeah and if, so i i was like what is it possible you know that one can be suggested into making a major life decision like that so the whole time i didn't sleep that night man I couldn't sleep that night. I couldn't think about anything else. I was just obsessed with this. Like, did that really happen? Is this real? I'm trying to rationalize. I'm trying to explain it. I start reading about it and I just, I'm instantly just sucked into this world in an instant. And I I got obsessed with this and I tried to focus on, you know, my work and everything else. And now I'm like living this double life of, you know, being the professor during the day, but then, you know, work eight hours, 10 hours, then go home and, you know, study hypnosis for, for three, four hours and finding programs that I can do, um, you know, part-time or that I can, I can work with to get certified. Uh, I did a year long 500 hour program in three months over the summer, just cause I was obsessed and I, I did everything else. And I started the, the hypnotherapy practice and, you know, I, I, I started doing this myself and I couldn't believe that it was actually working. And it, it's, it was, it was so bizarre how fast all of this happened and how quickly it changed. But that's, that's the entire progression of how I got to where I am in a nutshell. Is it mad how, I mean, that's obviously, what do you, do you think it is it something you were almost destined to find? Because was this the answer or was this the question you were looking for? Do you think? I wonder about that sometimes. And my, my belief systems have changed. Cause I used to be very, like, um, very cynical and very pragmatic and like, Oh, I don't believe in all this metaphysical and woo woo. And it's any of this now I'm, I'm at least open to it. And I do, I ask the questions of like, is there, you know, some higher thing that's operating here? Is there some kind of powerful force that we don't see? And, um, man, it, it feels that way sometimes, because I think what happens is you get put through these tests and challenges. And unfortunately with the bigger, the challenge or the test that you're facing, the bigger, the payoff. So what's the, what's the grand master plan behind all of this? I don't know, 
but it feels that way that I was put through this test of like being put in these situations where, where I was like, you know, wanted to give up so many times or that I was forced to make these decisions that were so hard so that I can get this, this knowledge or this gift to be able to help other people. So I think, I think that's how you get selected. And this reminds me of a, um, I'll call it a, a parable or an analogy that my ancestors believe in. And then a lot of cultures believe in. So I'm, I'm half Peruvian. My dad's from Peru. And um, among most indigenous cultures, they have the shaman or the witch doctor. And, uh, you know, that's the version of hypnosis because hypnosis has only been, you know, around named for, you know, a hundred years or something like that. And, and, but it's been practice existed in different forms since the beginning of, of time, right. Controlling trance states and suggesting people and visions and all that. So you have the shaman, which would essentially be our, my ancestors version of the hypnotist. And, uh, with the with the these people believe and many cultures still believe today is uh, the idea of the shaman's sickness. I'm very passionate about this, so shamanic illness. And what they believe is that most of the time one doesn't choose to become uh, the shaman or the healer. What happens is the spirits or whatever force may be, the spirits select you, so they find the worthy individual in whatever that that energy or that that spirit deems worthy and they put you through the trials of an illness could be physical mental emotional spiritual financial some kind of brutal hardship that takes him within an inch of his life and now the shaman is forced to heal himself so he has to seek out a a method, a modality. He has to find another healer. He has to perform uh, an act of kindness. He has to uh, help someone else heal so that he can heal. You get put through a quest to earn that. And as I was reading about this, I was like, that's not unlike what happened to me of being put through these trials and these hardships of, you know, wanting to, to give up and wanting to, uh, you know, listen to my mind when it's telling me these dark things and wanting to, um, you know, throw in the towel and being forced to seek solutions in every domain. So what I ended up with was this massive knowledge of communication of people skills of how the mind works. I would have never sought it out if I didn't get put through that trial. So I think that I do think that it's kismet that's destiny, or at the very least, it feels that way. And what I'd say to, to the listeners is what's your version of this? And maybe you're not a, a healer, hypnotist or whatever, but like, what's your version of, of the, of the gift. Some people say your mess is your message or something. It, it's, it's whatever challenge you get put through. It doesn't always feel like a good thing, of course, but what, what's the thing that, how does that make you who you are and what's on the other side of it? Those are important questions to ask. Mm. I was curious. I mean, as you were saying earlier on, you know, really, I mean, do you see this as your purpose? I mean, you, you talked about purpose at the start. Is this something you think is, is your purpose and your, your place? Absolutely. There is no doubt in my mind 
So that that whole mess of trying to navigate through this wilderness of career and purpose and passion and money. Yeah, I know it. I am the high performance hypnotist. I, it's a thing that I invoke every single day. So it's, you try on the different like suit or the different hat, you try on these different identities. And one day you find one that fits of like, Oh, this is me. And you just know it. I, I can't tell you what it is. You can't, no one can tell you but people have to find that themselves. But when, when you see it, you feel it. It's the, it's this, this sensation or this thing of like, everything's aligned. It just clicks. It's just a really deep knowing and it's, it's priceless. I'm very far from where I want to be. I have many aspirations. I have many challenges, but the purpose part, I've got that dialed in. Are you where you're supposed to be now? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Yeah. Who, who's to say <laughs> the, uh, the thing is, yeah, there, you hear people say you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Doesn't it doesn't always feel that way, Pete. I'll be honest. It doesn't always feel that way. Um, but I'm where I am. Hmm. But I'll say that. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's sort of resisting the fact that, you know, I should be further forward or, you know, I should be further back or whatever. Right. So, but that's essentially wasted energy. So, so often that you kind of yeah. go, why not just be here and, and just be where you are. Right. That's, that's, that's a good start. Totally. And I, I think where a lot of this comes down to is people have a tendency to compare and there's a lot of like people pick the number one person, the best at the youngest. And if you're not at that level or greater then then you're not, you're no good at all. Right. And people do this to themselves. Um, it's, it's like, you'd say, well, that person, you know, did, I did this when I was 30, that person did it when they're 18. Like, well, you're not them. You didn't grow up in their household. You don't have the same parents. You're not in the same environment. You can't compare. Talk about people use apples to oranges. Try humans to humans. You're not the same. You're not this. Your DNA is 99.99% the same, but you better believe that that 0.01% is a difference. You better believe the environment matters. You can't. So I would say, yeah, for people who don't feel, if you don't feel like you've accomplished enough yet, join the party. Okay. It's like, you know, join the club. If you don't feel like you haven't accomplished enough, you don't feel like, uh, oh, I should have done this, should have done that. You should have done this, but you didn't. Yeah. Should not have done that, but you did. This wasn't supposed to happen, but it did. You know, well, this should have happened, but it didn't. So it's kind of like these things are pointless. We're throwing away energy. <laughs> is this, I mean, is this a massive game of you versus you? I mean, is that, is that a sense of the inner you, the outer you, the subconscious you, the sub, you know, unconscious mm-hmm. you, the male version, the female version, whatever, right? Totally. And I'm going to write that down. It's, it's a game of you versus you. Ooh, that's, that's juicy. I think that's going to be content at, at some point The yeah. So yeah, not, it's pointless to compare to others, but what about you versus you to, to put it in that language? Like how far have you come when you stop to look at that? And what's the next version of you? Where are you headed? Well, it's almost, I mean, it's useful when I suppose even it comes to that visualization piece, right? You know, saying where have I come from? Where could I go to and where am I today? So it's, it's like, it's almost like you, 
you 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 cubed <laughs> so you know right so but it's it's a useful comparison right because we need that we need contrast right to, to get leverage because otherwise you know is that there's a lot in that and hypnotism or whatever it's like you are here you could be there so we create a void or we create a potential opportunity right so you can step through it and create energy right totally so you the way you would do that is i like to ask questions some of them I'd ask for people are, what is the version of you that has already solved fill in the blank that has already solved this challenge? Is there, is it possible there's a version of you that does have that thing? Do you know, like, are, are, don't you already know deep down within there's a version of you that is getting those six figure months or that has this job or that can do that thing? Is there a version of you that has absolutely no fear of public speaking? Is there a version of you that can be sociable, outgoing, and gregarious and likes that? Is there a version of you that gets motivated by this challenge rather than discouraged? Right. So what's the the part, the version of you, the transformation and seeing that person? Because once you, if you don't believe that it's out there or that's possible, then of course, it, you know, you're just spinning your wheels. There's no way. So that's the first step is like, if you believe that that's out there, then, you know, so like if, if I, um, buried, uh, a bar of, of gold in your backyard and you knew for a fact that it was in there somewhere, right. If you didn't know, and there was maybe like some, some rumor where I said like, no, it's, it's there, it's there. I, I promise you it's there. And, you know, um, or, or you, maybe, maybe you got drunk and you buried, you, yeah, let's use that. Yeah. You got drunk and you, you buried a bar of uh, gold in your backyard somewhere, but you don't really remember. Um, but you're just, you're like, well, I know it's in there. You will dig that. If I give you a teaspoon, you will dig up that whole damn backyard day and night, day and night, day and night. If you know it's there. Right. But if you don't think it's there and you're not sure, or you don't know where to look, then it's hard to pick up the shovel, right? Then I can give you the, the bulldozer. I can give you the industrial digging, uh, machines and you, and you still won't do it cause you don't believe. So that's where it begins. That's back to that. See it, believe it, do it right. You know, it's that you can see it in your mind. You can believe it's there and all the rest. And then, yeah, <laughs> give me the shovel, give me the spoon. Let's go. You know, that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there, there are disconnects of when people maybe can't believe it and um, that, that you sometimes have to go back and forth because sometimes there's things of um, back to the story thing. Common one I'll see is, is with people are like, uh, oh, I'm an introvert. You know, I'm shy. I can't do this or I can't talk in front of people or I can't, you know, approach this uh, person or, or go to this party. I, I'm, I'm too shy. I'm an introvert where they get very attached to, to the story and they actually can't yet believe it. So that's when you have to get clever, get creative about the way that you're asking. And one of my favorite words here is the word pretend. And this is a thing that children do. They do it with excellence. They outperform you at pretending because um, there's no story yet. There's no cynicism. There's no limits. There's no rigid. The, the conditioning is not there yet. The creativity has not been beat out of them yet. 
So they said, you know, well, why not? Why couldn't I do this? Just pretend. Right. So when you, and you ask people like, okay, maybe you don't think it's possible yet, but could you just pretend? Um, and this is a great way to get people into hypnosis sometimes that are resistance. You could say, you're like, okay, you think you can't be hypnotized. Maybe you're right, but just humor me for a second, will you? And just pretend. I want you to pretend that you're breathing like a hypnotized person would. I want you to pretend that your eyes are so heavy they couldn't possibly open. I want you to pretend this. And through the, through the repeated pretending, it becomes safe. And you start to act as if you're that. And you say, okay, well, maybe you're not confident yet, but could you act as if you were? Could you pretend to be confident for a day? Could you pretend that your back doesn't hurt? Could you pretend that you're a non-smoker for just 24 hours, right? That's a, such a powerful word that I give people is the idea of pretending. Isn't it funny how it actually gives you that window? Like I said, it's, it's just playing. It's just having a bit of fun, right? You know, and yeah, it's sort of almost like the monkey mind or whatever. So oh, I can have a bit of fun. That's okay. Because you've told me we're, yeah. this, is, this is not real. We are you know, we're pretending here and lo and behold, you've sort of managed to sneak the Trojan horse in, right? Mm, yeah. That's a great way to, you <laughs> got to be careful using that with my, uh, <laughs> with, um, yeah, yeah. Guys come learn the Trojan horse technique for hypnosis. That's, I don't know. I don't know about that, but, but, but that's what it is, is, um, it's, uh, that critical mind, right. Is at the, the gate, the guardian, you know, that's, that said, Whoa, you're not getting in here. Right. But then you have the, the 16 year old kid who says, Oh, I'm, I'm the DJ. See, I've got, I've got all this DJ equipment. They say, Oh, okay. Just come on in. Right. And then, and then they, they get in. Right. So all these, these little tactics of how do you sneak past it? There's all kinds of ways. And yeah, pretend is, is such a powerful one. Um, I think a, a, an important element that you introduced there, Pete, was that it's uh, it's playful. So there's a lightness to it, also of like, okay, yeah, let's let's maybe we don't have to take this so serious for a second. What if we put all the, this serious business? What if let's put this serious business away for a second. Being uh, critical, analytical, logical, rational is put that on the shelf for a second. There's a a lot of permission giving too. a very big part of my job is giving people permission. So examples, boundaries, you have permission to say no to people. You have uh, the permission to do that and to do so without apologizing or explaining or feeling bad. Uh, sales and business, you have permission to ask for more money. You have permission to ask for referrals. You have permission to follow up with leads. You have permission to ask people for testimonials and introductions and references. And it's amazing that just even without hypnosis, just the permission giving um, that they feel like they need to, to know that it's okay from someone they perceive as an authority. Isn't that amazing that, that just the permission aspect can create such a massive change in behavior? Do you think, I mean... It if there was nothing stopping people, I mean, would we all be super achievers? Would we all be firing your belly, you know, crazy, you know, achieving goal striving, you know, the whole thing, right. If there was nothing stopping us. 
if there was nothing stop, stopping us, we would be, be super achievers. I'd say yes to the extent that people want. And this is an interesting uh, topic and it's a scary one. So I find that more often than not, you know, like why hasn't someone achieved this goal? Why hasn't someone become happy? A lot of the time, more often than not, the answer is that they don't really want to. And I had a, a discussion with someone who had very severe chronic treatment resistant depression. I met with this person, um, their uh, family member asked, you know, can you help uh, this person out for me? And I said, uh, well, maybe we got to see, let me, let me meet, let me talk for a second. Um, and so I asked this person a question that you don't expect. And I said, are you prepared to deal with this? Could you deal with waking up in the morning and just feeling okay, or even feeling happy? I'm serious. If you woke up in the morning and you were actually just happy with no problems, could you deal with that? And you see the terror in this person's face, like the shock or the surprise. It's so alien. It's so outside the norm of after being depressed for so long that they're like, what would I do? They're like happy. Like what even is that? It, it, it's outside the norm. So there's a familiarity aspect. And I believe that we as humans, we have a very strong subconscious bias towards familiarity and homeostasis, staying the way we've always known ourselves to be as the, the actor. So to answer the question, yes, to the extent that people want to be that achiever, because not everyone wants like, so a great example of would I be famous if I want, I don't think I'd want to be famous. Like, you know, people trying to take pictures of me when I'm like going to use the bathroom or something like, I don't want that. Or like I'm at the airport and people are like crowding around me. I don't want that. Like people, you know, everything that I say, you know, some tweet from 2008 or something, get pulled. I don't want all that. Stuff. I don't want to be famous or uh, I don't want to be a billionaire. That sounds like, I don't want to be a CEO. I don't want to have a 500 person company. So there's certain things you don't want. Right. So what's the you know, belief, belief based, right? Cause you know, the belief is a billion dollar company would be a pain in the ass. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Yeah, that is. And it's a great point that you bring up Pete. Cause who knows, maybe it's uh maybe it's more fulfilling or maybe it's worth it or, or maybe, yeah. So no, you're hundred percent right. I do have a belief that, um, I, I'm picturing like lawsuits. I'm picturing like getting the newspaper and, and, and it's like, you know, Oh, Nick Gnosis said this, but really he did that. Or, Oh, let's look into his taxes. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't want all that. I don't want that. You have to visualize a team of 500 lawyers doing great stuff. You know, it's like, great. yeah, telling you it's brilliant. It's a, we've, we've, we've sorted it all. Perfect. Yeah. That's great. That's exactly what I need. You're, you're, you're totally right. Yeah. <laughs> how do you, how do you sense check goals and things like that? Because there's, there's a beautiful expression. I, I kind of, it's always stuck with me. I don't know if I'd say I like it, but it's like it's, for a lot of people, their voids are their values. And mm. I'm sure you come across this often, you know, whether it's belief based, it's sort of paradigm based, whatever you want to call it. Right. So they say we're going from A to B and you kind of go, well, why are you going here? It's like, well, that's just the way to go. Right. You know, but at what point do you, do you have to sense check it and saying, well, I want money. It's like, well, why do you want money? It's like, because we didn't have it. It's like, okay, that's not a goal. That's fulfilling a void, right? Mm. What is the sense check? I've never heard of that before. Well, just in terms of, you know, I think if someone says, yeah, my, so my goal is to have a, a billion dollar company. 
And you got to go, well, why? You know, and mm-hmm. they're like, well, because my Uncle Nick had one. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you're not Uncle Nick and you don't know his intentions and you don't know why, right? So it's how do you know it's true to you and not something you've inherited and not something that you, you your ego said, this would be this would be my definition of success, but that's egoic based as opposed to this is what the true you says. This this fulfills and meets all my values, needs, and wants. Mm. Yeah. So one thing, there's a, let me split the question up here. So one of the things that I heard was like, how do you know if the motivation is truly yours or if it's an injected like outside value, right? Like, um, oh, I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer because my parents said I have to. So one, one reason is just question like why? So that's a very powerful one and say, you can just ask the why a bunch of times, like, well, I want to be, I want to win this, um, you know, award. Why? Because then it means this. Well, why? Because what? And it's like, oh, because then uh, my dad will love me or something like that, right? So you can, that's one way to to trace it back. Another question that's good is what was, what does that allow you to do? And then they're generally going to speak in terms of their value. Like, well, that allows me to help more people, or that means that I'm good enough, or that means that uh, I'll finally, that I'll no longer feel this anymore. On the voids and values piece, um, yeah, I, I've learned about this recently from one of my mentors and uh, it hits so hard of uh, that, like th- that. Yeah, it is my, it's a hundred percent true for me. And I imagine for most people of like, if you see people posting all of these inspirational and motivational quotes and stuff like that, it's probably, they're not necessarily trying to motivate others. They might be doing it for themselves. Right. And who is this entire conversation for? Yes. It's for Pete. Yes. It's for listeners of fire in the belly, but this whole thing is like, this is for me too. Like I'm telling myself that these things are possible because I have to keep doing this stuff right? This is for me too. Like, this is not me saying, Oh, I solved all my problems and I'll help you to do the same. No, this this is me saying like, I'm, I'm human. You're human. I do have these voids. I do have, um, those holes in me. So I talked about like the, the career void, like that, that purpose hole that's in there. Uh, this is, a going to be maybe not something people want to hear, but what happens when you, um, you know, finally fill the hole is you discover that there was another hole like next to, or beneath that one is, uh, imagine peeling an onion of the, of this problem. And you finally crack that layer and inside is another one. It's an endless Russian doll. It's a box of tissues that you pull and there's just another one right there. So buckle up is what I have to say on that. Cause I still have the voids. I still have the holes. Um, I still have the challenges and, and the pains and the differences. Now the difference though, is now like, I feel equipped to handle it. And I feel like it's part of the purpose. I feel, and I see it as part of the journey rather than something that's, um, that's pulling me away from it. Mm. When it beautifully dovetails, I mean, you know, it is that aspect of, you know, when you see it, you believe it, you do it. So when you do it, then, you know, you, you observe yourself doing it. So then you see it and then you, again, you believe it. So that manifestation, that aspect of show up, turn up, do it, you know, and that repetition, right. Is if you want to be something, go and do it, you know, and you have the permission, you know, Nick says you have permission to go do. So we are, we are a go. I mean, it, it, it sounds, 
I suppose what I'm trying to get across, I suppose, to listeners and help is that aspect of, listen, you have permission to do and be whatever you want to be, right? We all have it. Totally. Yeah. If you needed somebody to give you permission, we're giving you permission right now. Yeah. We see imagining how many people are going to like quit their job today. <laughs> that, um, yeah. So it's, uh, this is, this brings me to something I am passionate about also. And like, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot here to say this, but it's just, I'll do it anyways, because I believe so strongly is like some of the, one of the best, some of the best advice I can give is to not take advice. Sometimes some of the best advice that I ever got is to not take some advice. Um, what does that mean? It means, uh, your coaches, your teachers, your mentors, your favorite gurus, your YouTube videos, your books, these are valuable inputs and data points, and you should consider them, but you also should trust there's a part of you, your inner wisdom, your intuition, your highest knowing, just that gut feeling on a visceral level. You should never betray that instinct. There's somebody, and I've, I've, had this happen to me in my business before saying, don't use the word hypnosis because it's going to freak people out. You have to call it something else instead. And then finally, you know, trying that for a while and realizing like, I don't feel like I'm telling people the truth or I don't feel like this is me and watching the sales plummet. Watching nobody bought this program. I put this whole thing together because I listened to this person or that person. And sometimes the best thing you can do is not listen. So that, that's a really big thing I'd want to listen to or I want people to consider is, or, or don't take my advice because that's uh, that's part of it too. Right. Consider the inputs, but then ultimately yeah, check your gut, check your intuition, check your highest wisdom, see if it makes sense on a, on a physical level. Does your body align with it? Do you, do you vibe with that? Are you good at doing that? Are you good at sort of listening to the body and going, okay, maybe not the answer I expected, or I don't know what to expect. And I'm just getting a sense of knowing, maybe no, maybe don't know consciously why that is, but are you able to do that? Or does it take someone else to pull it out of you? Both, both. So I do have my own practice of, um, of doing this and I, I hypnotize myself nightly so I, uh, I've become extremely suggestible to my own voice. So, um, you know, you're going to sound a little bit narcissistic here, but yeah, I listen to my own, uh, recordings and I'm just like, damn, I sound good. Right. And so I'm hearing myself on, um, you know, I record my own suggestions, uh, of, you know, I am this, I am that. So, and th this is one of them is I am the high performance hypnotist. I give people the key to themselves. I see inside people that which they don't. So I'm doing this daily, like invoking it by seeing it in the morning and then also listening to it at night. Um, a little bit of a tangent here is just, if you guys want a great way to just start this on your own, just record yourself saying these, these affirmations, these goals in the first person, listen to it for five minutes and just put it on repeat and it'll, it'll pass through the subconscious call that passive absorption. I got a little bit scattered there. Um, the return to the question it's, it's, does it take someone else to pull that intuition out of me or do I do it myself? And so the self version is, yeah, having some of these, um, sessions. So I have a weekly session with myself, 
where I get to be hypnotized by me and I get to hypnotize me. And so I meet with myself. I have the client notes, just like I would with any other client. It took, I did this for like, for, you know, years before I got this idea of like, why am I not doing this to myself? Right. And, and, and having those meetings. So then I can do some of that inner work to elicit the wisdom from myself. And one of the ways, one of the forms that it takes is metaphors. So sometimes uh, we talked about not always relying on the rational. Well, the irrational can sometimes be, um, you know, metaphors of, uh, you know, maybe you have this, this magic eight ball that you shake it and it's going to say, uh, you know, something, or it's going to tell you, you know, do this, do that, don't do that. Or maybe you have a, the, a, a mentor or a, a guide or whatever it is that you, that your imagination conjures up, that's going to lead you through it. And then that, that way you kind of dissociate it from yourself a bit. So, um, the, the questioning process that some of my mentors or that, that, you know, my hypnotherapist would give me, um, it is, uh, you know, what happens when, if you do this, what happens when you don't, does it make sense to do this? Does it, does it not, when you think about this, or you think about that, what comes up when I ask the question of this, or I say this number to you, what is that? What does that mean? And that's where I'm starting to go through some of these questions. And like, I'm feeling this in my body too, of like saying something out loud, maybe like, what do I call myself or how, how do I design my pitch for the business? You have to say some of these things and invoke them as words. And, and is there certainty in your voice? So you exercise for people to do is you can just say, uh, my name is Nick Aguirre and listen to yourself saying, you know, my name is this, I'm this many years old. And if you listen to the recording, it's going to sound like you're telling the truth because you are, and then start to say something else. That's maybe a little bit out there. And, uh, I, I can do this. This is a great exercise for people who are maybe younger or people who are, or even people who, who are just considering what do I do with my, with my life, with my business. And you just try on the different hats verbally. So I am an engineer. I am a lawyer. I am. A, so try saying that listening to yourself and does it fit? Does it feel right? Right. It's a lot of sense in, because it's not rational. You're not, there's no formula for that. You have to do, you have to use your intuition, your gut. It's more physical. It's more energetic. This is coming from the body sometimes and not the mind because your voice, your, those vibrations are going to occur differently when it's in alignment with your highest intuition. That's fascinating how, you know, we can, as you say, we can actually own something without even realizing we own it. I mean, do, I mean, do you do any sort of muscle testing? I mean, do you, do you tend to go that or are you able to pick up and even what people are saying and just their actual tone, their context, their, the way they stand and hold themselves? Yeah. I, yeah. So I'm going to be honest. The muscle testing is, is fascinating to me. And, uh, I don't know a ton about it. That's going to make a, a note to myself here because I've read about muscle testing. Um, so I'm, I'm infinitely curious, but I've not done it myself. So I, I can have an input on, you know, what a person says and what sounds right. But ultimately I want to empower them to be the to be the authority on, on that. So yeah, you can have them say this and invoke the phrase 
and see if it makes sense. And, you know, I usually have an idea, but I don't want to say to them, Oh, that's the one I'll ask. Uh, I'll ask, how did that feel? Which of those two felt right to you? What comes up for you when you say this? Super interesting there. And you've used a lot of kinesthetic language, all feeling based, right? Mm. Yeah. So it's going to depend on the person. So there's the three broad ones are seeing, hearing, and feeling. So this is an NLP or neuro-linguistic programming paradigm of your, your primary uh, representational system. So in other words, are you more seeing, hearing, feeling? And in general, you want to match the predicates of, of the person you're talking to. They say, I see you. I see you. I see it. I don't see eye to eye. I don't have that vision. Looks like this, looks like that. Then you want to use that language. I hear you. Um, that doesn't sound right. I yeah, I heard that. Um, can you tell me this? Can you, uh, I, I, it doesn't ring a bell for me. Whatever's the, the sound based thing. And then feeling it feels like this, this doesn't feel right. Can you, does that sit right with you? Um, I get this feeling it's a gut feeling. Uh, my heart says this, right? Th those are the kinds of things that you want to look for and you want to match that for your listener, for your, for people you're working with, for your audience. A great way to, great way to do it. What's, what's your intention here, Nick? What's, what's possible or what would you like to achieve? What would I, for myself or, or what? Yeah. Let's go with yourself. Hmm. You know, sometimes I get, I'm totally willing to talk about other people's goals. Then when it gets turned on to me, I'm just like, Oh, I got to think about this. So the big <laughs> one for me is like some of the visions. I do have a vision at some point of having a nonprofit. And I think that would be really cool to do of, uh, after I kind of take care of myself and my clients more of how do I, how do I bring a service, some kind of sustainable service of, of, um, you know, whether that's in mental health or substance abuse or whatever that we can, whatever society wide pro problem. Um, and, uh, you know, they don't want to talk a, a big game here because I don't like to talk too much about the thing because then they people kind of, um, you know, get into the talking mode. Um, but yeah, that's one of them is the nonprofit. Mm. And uh, it's there's always a continuing journey of like, I like to experience different modalities and have different people work on me. And sometimes when I get a new issue or a new problem, it doesn't, I don't want to say it excites me, but it's, it, there, there's an opportunity there of like, whatever's the biggest challenge that I'm facing right now of like, now I get to do some new work. Now I get to grow and add a new layer to me and whatever I've done to myself, it can help my clients with. So that's really awesome. Mm. What's some of the, I mean, the, the, the commandments or promises or whatever that you, your standard that you work to, I mean, you, you talked about there, that sort of constantly growing, evolving, learning, you know, seeing what's possible. I mean, do you have a set of rules or commandments you, you set for yourself? Set of rules or commandments that I set for myself? Not really. Like it's going to sound, it's mainly the three, um, not, not commandments, but the three pillars that we talked about. So it's, uh, it's vision, willingness and execution. So, which is the, see it, believe it, become it. Mm -hmm. So I would say those are like the, the, the pillars or the commandments. So, so to, to take it into, um, your, your framework, this could be like, uh, does this align with my vision or 
have I been executing at the level that meets the vision, right? So these could be some of those, those questions there. Um, is it, are my beliefs today aligned with what I'm trying to do? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Tell me this, what are, what are you great at and what are you terrible at? What am I great at and what am I terrible at? I am really great at hypnosis, at public speaking and uh, listening to people. So it's th things that I'm doing all day long. I'm great at uh, intuition. So there's a lot of times when there's a by the books way to do things, or you know, you might have a script for hypnosis or the general approach, but sometimes I just know this is what that person needs, or this is what that person needs to hear. So uh, intuiting and improvising. So having uh, a mix of spontaneity, those are things could, uh, that I consider myself very good at. As for what am I terrible at? Hmm. What am I terrible at? It's there's plenty of things here. And I'm just like, well, do I want to say that out loud right now? <laughs> we're not there's, obviously, but we're <laughs> sure. So one, one thing is like balancing, or I'd, I'd say like one of my biggest challenges right now, just to be honest, is my life is like this balloon where when I squeeze on one area, the other area like expands. <laughs> so like when I, when it's like, I get, you know, my business is, is just like do, 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 do perfect. But then like, um, you know, not perfect, but it's moving along. It's it's there's trajectory stuff's happening, but then it's like, uh, Oh, I didn't go outside today or something like that. So it's like, I have to force myself sometimes to do that. Uh, and you know, force myself to go and, um, catch up with certain people. So that's, a, that's an area where like, how do I fit in a lot of these things? That's a, that's one thing that I'm, that I'm pretty bad at. Another is like, um, Sometimes I go, I have a tendency towards being very wide with my ideas. So very like kind of scattered a little more all over the place. And I have to really force myself to like squeeze into one thing. Like I want to read like 20 books at the same time, but I'm, I, I know that that's, that's not, I'm terrible at doing that and making it happen. So I got to pick one or two tops and force myself. So like, uh, that, that, and that tendency to bite off more than I can chew or to spread myself thin, um, knowing, knowing like where to, to draw the, the line there. So those are some things where there's really some room for growth mm. in me. Yeah. So it is life is a, a game of whack-a-mole sometimes when you are creative, when you're entrepreneurial, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, something's got to give, you know, but, um, that's not what it's all about, you know? What's yeah. the one thing if, if, if you could, you know, just say to anyone without any repercussions or anything else, is there something that sometimes you just want to scream out and go, listen, you know, mm. what is the one message I would give everyone is see it, believe it, become it. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. Tell me what's a, what's a guilty pleasure for you? <laughs> Oh, I don't look like it, man, but I've got a killer sweet tooth and I can't keep, um, you know, I, I my, one of my friends, uh, I used to have a close friend, um, in Indiana when I was living and she would hide food from me in her, in her house. And, um, you know, again, you can't tell from looking at me cause I'm just a you know, skinny guy, but like the, um, 
she has the like the it's like it's, what are they the pepperidge farms cookies and stuff some of these where like i was looking for pots and pans or a strainer or something and i found like i'm like do you know your your cookies are in down here with a strainer and she's like yeah <laughs> it was like, like what is this and because there was one time when i got you know, I, I took the thing like from her house to my house. Um, and she's like, you buy these cookies too. And I'm like, no, that's yours. I took it with me without asking. <laughs> and she's, she's like, what is wrong with you? Um, so the, the sweet tooth, definitely. Um, that's a, that's a big one. I, I like to really stay up late. I'm a night owl by nature and I want to stay up till two or three and I want to, you know, stay up till three this night and 9 PM that night. And it's all over the place. And you just can't, I can't function like that. So I really have to be disciplined with, um, with like sleep schedule. That's a big one. I love, um, like, like stupid and inflammatory TV shows like South park and, and, you know, things like that, just very, um, things that are a little bit like off the beaten path. I, I love that. What else? caffeine and and um yeah this is a big thing of like that pandora's box gets opened like two three times a year of like where it's like i spent 60 dollars on coffee this month and and like you know my my resting heart rate went up like four four beats i can't, I can't be i can't keep doing this so then i'll quit and i'll just be like okay i'm done with caffeine forever until next time and then just do it all over again so those are those are some of the big ones oh no, it's 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 always interesting when we have sweet tooth and the things we can do, you know. And tell me what for for downtime and leisure and pleasure, what does that look like for you? Um, what do I do for yeah, this this is a hard time for me is like recreation in my life is um I have to schedule it sometimes, which sounds like it's it's not and um it's really hard for me. I, I feel like I that's a void or a thing that I'm missing right now is like, I need to create some more intentional time of maybe that means I take one day fully off a month where I schedule things. So I try and get to nature at least once a week. I just feel like there's something healing about it. And when I'm just like hold up in this room, you know, all day and I'm in here for 16 hours or 18 hours or whatever, like, you force myself to get outside. I wish it wasn't uh, forcing. So recreation would be getting outside. Um, I need to see more of the city too. Now that I come to think about it, I've been living in Austin uh, for about what, seven, eight months now and still need to really explore a lot of it. Mm, I think, you know, this conversation is important. I, I think I need to probably schedule a couple more of these days a month where I, Maybe don't do so much work and, um, and, and get some, some time out there to do something fun. Yeah. And if you were to try and summarize your fire in the belly in one or two words, what would they be, Nick? Mm, that's a great question. What is my fire in the belly in one or two words? Mm. I think that I'm very deeply passionate about the subconscious. I think that's, it's this thing that like, it's endless, it's mysterious. I never, every time that I think I've got it figured out, there's just 10 more layers. The more I learn about it, the more I realize that I, I sometimes feel like number one, I, and also other people know next to nothing about it sometimes. So 
is that subconscious. That's my itch. That's always scratching me. I want to really understand that in my own, all of the things that I can't see in myself, all of my own blind spots, all those hidden shadows. Yeah. That's it. The subconscious. So tell me, I mean, who, who can you serve and, and where do people go to, to understand and learn more about you? Totally. I love to work with entrepreneurs because number one, I can empathize with a lot of their challenges. And when they're saying they want to quit or give up, or I don't know if I'm doing this or should I do that? I've been there for most of that. And I can, I can advise people there. Um, so that's, a, that tends to be a really good value add, um, salespeople as well. Uh, uh, business to business, other coaches and consultants, other hypnotists for the same reasons where I feel like I understand more what they do. So I can not only hypnotize them and help them with their behaviors. I can also, you know, I give some consulting on their, on their business there. That that'd be one of it. Um, people who have bad habits. So time management, schedule, routine, procrastination, anything having to do with your habits, those are good folks for me. Fears, phobias. So if you got a lifelong fear for 20, 30, 40 years, and you want to be done with that, that's generally a session or two. Uh, fear of dogs, snakes, whatever, uh, needles, fear of uh, public speaking, going to the dentist, going to the doctor, getting your blood pressure taken, you, know, you name it, I've done it. And um, people who want to bring the change to their, their organization as well, so doing speaking events, uh, if you want your whole team to learn to know how to do self-hypnosis in five minutes a day so they can uh, internalize and realize their goals on a subconscious level, that is also something that I'm always happy to help with. So much fun. So next question, where to get a hold of me? You can find me at apexmindcoaching.com. It's probably one of the best ways to, to find me. You can also find me uh, on Facebook as Nick Gnosis, N-I-C. N-O-S-I-S. And uh, yeah, it's the best way to get hold of me. Wonderful. Is there a final message you'd like to leave with our listeners today? See it, believe it, become it. Be consistent. I love it. I love it. Nick, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've taught me so much today. So thank you. Thank you for, for really coming on here. Thank you for what you do. And listen, it sounds like you're doing some amazing work. So well done and uh, keep going. Thanks. It's an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. Till the next time. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.